Good morning. So th this morning I want to talk about Thanksgiving, but in a, not just about Thanksgiving in, in general, but uh, we know, we know that our culture is becoming less and less thankful. And, and I'm, I participate in the less thankful part of it more than I would care to admit. When I was little, I remember my mom having a stack of cards that she would send, and every week she's writing cards to thank people for stuff I didn't even ever know. So why should we give thanks? In particular, at Thanksgiving, why Thanksgiving at all? Um, this is a time of Thanksgiving in our land, a time of celebration. In 1789, President George Washington announced Thanksgiving would be November 26th. 1789, at the very, the very beginning of our country. In 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, President Lincoln declared the final Thursday of the month to be the day we would celebrate Thanksgiving as a nation. And there was some problem even back with President Washington just coming out and declaring this like you're some sort of king. <clears throat> it was uh, a, a little troublesome, but everybody bought in because 250 years ago, our country was a little bit different than it is today. So FDR days before World War II began, altered the date to the fourth Thursday of the month. And that's the one that we now celebrate regularly. A time we typically spend racing to houses of family and friends. <clears throat> Newlyweds gain weight during these times. They split time between both in-laws' houses and they feel obliged to eat yet another meal, another helping, just another slice of pie. Oh, the food is so good. Cousins, friends we haven't seen in some time or spoken with lately. Our lives grow more complicated, don't they, as we get a little bit older? Responsibilities at church, responsibilities at work, school. Newborn children, about to go to school, sports of older children, and then, of course, grandchildren. <sighs> this is all delightful when things are good. But we have to exercise and discern some caution. And this holiday is delightful, but the idea of Thanksgiving is more ancient, much more ancient than our American holiday. In Leviticus chapter 7, verses 12 through 15, discuss a Thanksgiving offering that the Jews would bring. Something substantive, not just thank you, Lord, but 
something more substantive. They would actually give an offering. Daniel. Daniel got in trouble praying. Do you remember? In Daniel 6. And he's giving thanks. Maybe not for the trouble, but before he went to the lion's den, he's thanking God. The Psalms are overloaded with thanks and thanksgiving. You, over 200 times across our Bibles, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the idea of giving thanks is involved. Last week, as part of our confession time, Pastor Daniel read Deuteronomy 8. I want to just remind us of that for a minute. Deuteronomy 8, 11 says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest... When you have eaten and are full and have built houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. When times are good, we have a tendency. We have a tendency to forget the one to whom we owe gratitude for his kindness to us. When times are good, our tendency is to believe we are the captains of our fate and the masters of our souls. But we have one to whom we ought to give thanks. Biblically, we give thanks to someone for some reason. That's sort of the pattern that we have. And in our passage this morning, Paul makes it clear that giving thanks is the will of God for us. There were the Ten Commandments given on tablets of stone. Another 600 commands given, give or take, to regulate the lifestyle when, you, when you'd sinned, but not broken one of those. But Thanksgiving isn't one of those, is it? Love, God, love the Lord your God. Jesus said, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So did Moses. But give thanks isn't there. But in our passage this morning, Paul says, thanksgiving is the will of God for Christians. I don't want to only discuss thanksgiving, but also the will of God in relation to thanksgiving. In these two concepts in our verse, 
Pastor Daniel read it. The will of God, as opposed to thanksgiving, is a little different matter. What are a couple of the ideas we know about God's will? When we sin, of course, we violate the will of God that we know. I did it again. And I knew it was wrong, and I sinned again. Sometimes we violate the will of God, and we are completely ignorant of what the will of God is. Sometimes we don't want to sin, but we don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do, God? We're ignorant of the will of God, and we move on without a wish of any better intentions. When we don't know the will of God, and all believers want to know God's will so they can obey it, we're told to pray for wisdom, like James chapter 1 tells us. So these two ideas come together in this verse. Let's look at it, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and I want us to see how recognizing the scope of thanksgiving as the explicit will of God strengthens our walk. How the details given around this command, knowing that it's God's will, strengthens our walk. Now, some of our commands that we obey are precise kinds of commands, aren't they? Commands were supposed to do at a certain time. In the Old Testament, there were certain things you could or couldn't do before you came to offer sacrifice. When we participate in communion, we're supposed to examine ourselves. And, and that examination takes place at that time. But there are other aspects of the will of God that are a little bit different. And they cover a larger scope for us. And reflect God's character and the work of the Spirit of God through us. Now, just before we look at 5.18, flip back a couple of pages to chapter 1. I, I want us just to look for a moment at the church of Thessalonica so we can see the tone that Paul uses because he's, he's really encouraging. He's not hammering them about this issue of thanksgiving. Chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Hey, did you hear about the Thessalonians? Let me tell you about what God's doing in Thessalonica. Verse 9. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So we are going all around Macedonia and Achaia saying, look at these Thessalonians. Oh, oh no, Paul, let us tell you about the Thessalonians. That's the testimony that they had. That's the work that the Spirit of God does in us, when he makes us new, it's on display for other people to see. Even when we don't go out of our way to evangelize, we let our lights so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify God. And if I read Paul correctly here, lost people are telling him the gospel. 
as, the, as it took hold in the Thessalonians. So what a testimony they had. Verse 9 says the entire culture noticed the difference, just like they notice all new believers. Later in the letter, Pastor Daniel read this at the end of chapter 5, turn, turn to chapter 5 now, and we'll land on verse 18. Paul encourages them with positive evidence of the work of the Spirit of God in their walk. Verse 9, and I'll just make a couple comments on the way. For God has not destined us for wrath, believer, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. He doesn't say, come on, get with it, be an encouragement to each other. He says, you're doing this. Go, go on. This is... Wow, he's encouraging them in their current obedience. Look as we go ahead now to the tone of the positive verses, the positive verses versus the negative commands. Verse 12, we ask you, brothers, we ask you to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. He says, we ask you. This is more like a grace request. Are the Thessalonians belligerent and hostile and selfish, or are they walking in obedience already? They're, they're obedient. They're thriving. And so he says, we ask you. He doesn't have to correct them. He just gives them direction like a grace request. It's obviously positive. Verse 13, second, to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Third, be at peace among yourselves. Verse 14, we urge you, brothers. Now, urge is a little stronger word than ask. So there's some urgency. But notice the commands. Are they negative or positive? Listen, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Is that a positive or a negative command? It's positive. Now, to be sure, idleness, faint-heartedness, faint-heartedness. I, hmm, there's some real weakness. And weakness, he says, they're all negative, depressed kinds of qualities, but the ministry commands are merciful and positive. He's saying, Thessalonians, good job. Keep going the way you're going. You're strengthening each other. You're encouraging one another. Seven commands and all positive. Here's the first one. Verse 15, see to it or see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. The one another, I take it, is believers. Always try to, to do good to believers and to everyone. That would be those who are outside. Then immediately he turns a corner with three positive commands and then three warnings. Verse 16, rejoice always. Look at how he frames that. How do you obey rejoicing? When do we rejoice? 
Always. So if you're going to obey that, rejoice and do it always. And these are things that the Thessalonians are already participating in. These aren't start doing this. These are in a present tense, continuous aspect. They're doing it, so keep doing it. Now, verse 17, pray without ceasing. He doesn't say pray continuously, but it has the same effect. And just always, and then without stopping. So, if we want to obey this, what do we do? We pray. When? All the time. Why? Because we can never stop. We never stop praying. We're praying all the time. We're in a, an attitude of prayer. Do you know since COVID? You've heard of COVID? Just kidding. So COVID did something in my lungs, and I don't, I don't cough so well as I used to. Some of, some of you are experiencing that also. And so I'm coughing and coughing, and it's like... <clears throat> And my poor wife, she's like, what's, are you okay? And I'm just coughing. That's the same kind of word here Paul uses. Pray without ceasing like the constancy of a hacking cough. Don't stop. Don't stop. And then likewise, this is frequency, not ceasing continuously. Now we get to our verse. Finally, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This one includes a little more than time, but in all things, Pastor Daniel, your prayer this morning, praying for everything, all things, is the heart of this command, or giving thanks in all things, good and bad, we... When times are hard and we're weak, we always cry out to God and we thank him when we don't understand. But when things are good, Deuteronomy 8, when things are good and everything is falling in your lap just the way it's supposed to and the plans are all working out, hmm, I guess I did that, didn't I? Mm, no, we, thanksgiving is an admission of obligation or appreciation of benefits or blessings that have been done to us, not accomplished by us, right? We're thanking God. Who, who presented the gospel to you? Oh my goodness, we, as I get older in my walk, my prayers. And notice prayer and thanksgiving are joined together here, and so is rejoicing. When you go through the Psalms, you'll see these three ideas all together. They're like a braid, praying and praising and thanksgiving. And remember, I mentioned will of God being sometimes particular and sometimes broad. Well, this is just a category of behavior that we do all the time. We're rejoicing all the time. We're praying all the time because we're always dependent on God. We don't pray if we don't have a need, right? Oh, but yes, we do because it says don't stop. So we're thanking God in our prayers. Most of my prayers are spent in thanking God. 
and confessing sin. I ask him for things, but I'm thanking him more for stuff that he's done. I, I have prayer requests too. I know this is similar for you. But my goodness, to do this without ceasing, this is so, so important. So Paul now is strengthening the believers in their walk, and your walk will be strengthened when you recognize that this command is certainly the will of God. What do I do? I don't know what God's will is. I can tell you now. And you're going to minister to younger ones than you, or you're going to minister to older ones than you. What am I supposed to do? Here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to rejoice all the time, pray without ceasing, and in every circumstance, give thanks. Let me ask you a question. You can answer if you want. Romans 8.28 says, nothing comes across our path but what God intends for good, right? God works all things together for good. And he says earlier, he didn't spare his son, but he will freely give us all things. All things includes, like Job told his wife, don't we accept good from the hand of the Lord? And evil. I don't, that's not moral evil, but hardship. Evil. So if that's true, when do we ever have occasion not to be thankful? This is a proper understanding of who God is and who we are. So look at the precision, verse 18 a, the precision of God's will concerning thanksgiving in its scope. He tells us to practice being thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful is present tense. Do this. Keep on doing this and do it all the time. Oh, but I messed up the order. What's the order? In all things, he says first, doesn't he? Oh, I'm sorry. ESV says, give thanks in all circumstances. In my other study, in all things comes first. In all things comes first. So we're going to practice being thankful. So we have to know and recognize our dependent needs and give appropriate thanks when necessary. Jesus always gave thanks in all his prayers. Luke 18, we got... Two men come to bring their offering. One man comes, Pharisee, and he says, God, thank you that I'm not like him. And this other fellow can't even look up and says, God, I, he, you've got to deal with my sin because I can't. Jesus said, this man who gave, gave thanks was trying to justify himself, and he did not go home justified. But in all of Jesus' prayers, he's giving thanks. At Lazarus' tomb, thank you, Father, that you always hear me. The night he instituted communion, he gave thanks and broke the bread and gave it to them. When he fed the 5,000, he gave thanks. All of this, that's not just a plug to, play, to pray before a meal. But giving thanks is something that Jesus did. 
So this is really, really important. Jesus is giving an example of this. We already talked about the Old Testament ideas. Now, look at how his will is precisely defined in the second part of verse 18. This is the will of God. Knowing the will of God is the first step we have in doing it. If we don't know it, how can we do it? How can we love God with our minds if we don't know what his will is? So we have to know his will. Here's just a few verses. Don't look them up. This is just kind of a battery for you. Jesus said in Mark 3, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Romans 12, 2. I knew this one must have come to some of your minds. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. I think those are all describing God's will. Ephesians 6, to slaves, don't work for your masters just for eye service and being people pleasers. But as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. It's not just a feeling you feel when you feel a feeling you never felt before. The will of God is certain for us in areas that we know for sure we ought to obey. Then go. And one of those is thanksgiving. Colossians 4. Epaphras who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, it might be God's will for us to suffer. In 1 Peter 3, he says, we have to set Christ apart as Lord in our thinking when we're challenged in public and have to give account for the reason for the hope that we have. So knowing the will of God, first of all, strengthens our confidence in our walk. Is God using me? Well, sure. How do you know? Because I'm praying. I'm giving thanks. I'm doing this all the time. Third, the will of God in thanksgiving, develops the Christ-likeness of our walk. Okay, God has plans for all believers. Ephesians 1, just listen. This is going to come back to you right away. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. How do you know you're holy and blameless? Because I know God's will, and I see that by his strength, the Spirit of God is producing obedience in me. And I know God is using me, because I'm being obedient. It's not just lip service. This is part of what God says his purpose for us is, to make us holy and blameless. And we can't do that if we aren't thankful. Why? Why is being thankful such an issue? He says, this is the will of God 
in Christ Jesus for you. If you are in Christ today, if you're a believer, then this you know for certain is God's will for you to be thankful. And most of us, I believe, are like the Thessalonians, and we are thankful. And that strengthens and encourages us because we are already being obedient. And finally, verse 18, the last part, thanksgiving binds all believers to one another. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, if I said, Barna, can I use you for an example? Thank you. If I said, would you come here, please? Then he, you get up, right? Thanks. You, one person, you. But if I said, would you all, would you stand and gesture? You would know that was plural you, right? So in English, we only say you. We only print you in standard academic English. If you're from down south, they say, the deep south, they say you all. And in Texas, they say y'all. And maybe even up to Ohio, they say y'all. Because it's a contraction for you all. And in New Jersey, they say use. <laughs> My experience. This, this, give thanks in all circumstances. Uh, give thanks is a command and commands always Unless it's designated, it's always second person. It's always you. You is the subject. You give thanks, but it's a plural. It's yous. It's y'all. But then, this is the will of God in Christ. So if we're in Christ, it applies to us. And for you, for y'all, for all of us, this is the will of God for all of us. John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branch. He's in Gethsemane. The guards are coming. You can see the torches down the hill. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Acts 20, Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you all. Second Corinthians 8 and 9. Paul talks about the offering he's going to take back to Jerusalem from Corinth. He's going, he's, he's going to have them set that money aside so he can go pick it up. And he says... God is able to make this grace abound to you all. This is something all the believers were participating in. And it's God's purposes for us in these things. 1 Peter 1.4, we have an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you all. 
I mean, right at the start of the letter, this is phenomenal. So, you're a believer. It applies to all of us. We can encourage one another to be stronger in our walk because we can be thankful. We can rejoice. We can pray. And this is God's will for us. We know as Christians, this is God's will for us. We know for sure the will of God for this, for us, is is to be thankful to God all the time. So why is it so important? Because it demonstrates the Spirit of God in our walk in a way that contrasts with the lost. Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure, his will. Yes? So why do I want to be thankful? Because the Spirit of God is at work in me to make me thankful. Especially easy when it's difficult because we're at the bottom. But especially we have to be cautious when it's going good. So we don't think it's, don't you hate that? Man, a guy scores a touchdown. He's got a pound on his chest. Why exalt yourself? Contrast with the lost. Look, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling and disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Okay, so if I'm grumbling and disputing, I'm not giving thanks, right? No, I'm grumbling and disputing. So who's in charge? I'm in charge because I can grumble and I can complain. And you know what scripture says right here? I am not blameless and I am not innocent. I am guilty. This is the way the lost are. How do I know that? He says, children of God without blemish, blameless, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine like lights in the world, stars in the universe. Just like looking outside, it's all dark and here's a light and here's a light. And that's what he says you are. You're a light because the spirit of God is causing you to be drawn to your father because of Christ because of Christ who forgave our sin and rose from the grave to accomplish all that God had chosen to accomplish in him. And now you are displaying Christ-likeness in your walk, giving thanks. The second one is Romans 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived. The lost know this. They see it clearly. 
ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They didn't give thanks, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The lost do not give thanks. The lost grumble and complain. When we give up giving thanks, we resort to the only option available to us, and that's idolatry. We turn from worshiping God to worshiping creatures and not the creator. On a positive note, when we see this fruit of the Spirit at work in us, we know that God is working in us to make us more like Christ. He's making us more Christ-like when we know his will, when we know the specifics of his will, and then we see him carry them out. Verse 18 is our verse today. Just a few verses later, Pastor Daniel also quoted this. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. So this is going to be compart, become part of your repertoire. Giving thanks all the time. And you're doing it? Keep on doing it. Increase doing it. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. If you're a believer today, it says here, he's going to do this in you. So keep on doing it. And if you see something otherwise, you, you need to call on Christ. Repent. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful. Oh, we are so thankful for all that you have done, especially in the cross of Christ. Thank you, Father, for accomplishing your purposes from before creation in planning and promising to redeem us, though we have fallen. Father, some of us this morning are encouraged because we see your work in us. And Father, maybe there are some here who don't see this work of the Spirit of God in them. May they come to us and ask what they must do to understand what it means to repent of their sin and call on Christ to rescue them. In Jesus' name, amen.